All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, be turning to the book of Luke, chapter 12, as we continue our series of, in the, uh, the seven deadly sins. Tonight is a very familiar one, I'm sure. Sloth. Not, not true. Not true at all. Um, speaking on sloth tonight, again, just, rem- just a reminder, one of the reasons why we're going through this series is, you know, it's helpful to be able to, to diagnose ourselves um, last week we found out we're not just angry people or man, I just have a short fuse. It's, it's, I have, um, I don't, I love things too much and inordinate loves in my life. I love my comfort. I love my way of thinking. Um, I want to be God. Therefore, when things don't go my way, um, I get angry and, um, you know, it's just helpful to be able to diagnose ourselves and, um, and another thing we'll see tonight is, is this series, I think it really exposes our sin. And this one expo- exposes a whole other realm of stuff. And um, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And again, sin is dangerous. Um, sin leads to death, not to life. And so we got to either kill sin or get killed by sin. So with that in mind, uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. This is God's word. It, it reads like this, starting in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And again, guys, this, this series uh, definitely has, I feel like at least for me, it's, it's exposed sin, my heart sin. And, um, and tonight, you know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for our sins to be exposed because it's only a good thing, actually, if we, we take that to Jesus. If it's after this series, if you walk home thinking, man, I'm just going to try harder, or I feel really guilty, that's not enough. But when we're, our sins are exposed and then we take them to Jesus, take them to the cross, it's amazing not how, only how we can overcome sin, but how our love for Jesus grows. Um, but when we think about sin, when I say, man, think about sin or, or your moments that you really blow it, um, most likely you would think about the things you did wrong. You would think about you know, how you said something wrong or did something wrong or saw something that was wrong. You think about, you know, all the th- when you think about sin, normally we think about all the things we do wrong. Well, that's just a part of our sinful behavior. Yes, those are called sins of commission, things that I do wrong when I slander you or gossip about you or lie. These are things that we're doing that are wrong. That is sinful. But there's also things called sins of omission. Sins of omission, these are things that we are commanded to do, but we don't do. For instance, I think, I hope, we're all familiar in here with the two, the, the great two commandments, the two greatest commandments. You know what I'm talking about when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. 
How are we doing on that? How are you doing when it comes to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? How's that going for you? How about the whole loving your neighbor as yourself? How is that going? I can't, I don't think, you take my whole 30 years of existence. I am 30, by the way. And um, I'm not sure you can find five seconds in there, total. I'm not even sure you can find one second in there, total. You know, yeah, I'm not cursing God. I'm not blaspheming his name. But I'm not loving him like I should. The way I'm commanded to in every moment that I'm not sin of omission. I'm not doing what I'm commanded to do. Or loving you like I love myself. Yeah, maybe I haven't stabbed you. Way to go, Kyle. You know, but, but I'm, I haven't loved you the way I've been called to love you. That's what I was guilty of. So many times I had a guy in high school um, come up to me. He was like, man, you hated me in high school. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, and I re- realized it's because I didn't love him. Yeah, I wasn't talking bad about him. I wasn't making fun of him. But I wasn't loving him. Sins of omission. And tonight, if you want to get to the, maybe the root sin of all this sin of omission, why we don't do what we're called to do, love like we're called to love, if you want to get to the root of it, uh, I, would think, I think sloth might be it. It just might be it. And so... What we're going to do tonight is much like what we've done in the last um, several weeks. We're going to give you, we're going to talk about a definition of sloth because let's be honest, I don't think too many people in here know it. And uh, then we're going to talk about why sloth is so dangerous, as all sin is dangerous. And then we're going to get to um, how do we actually defeat sloth. So that's where we're going tonight. That's what we're going to do. Um, first, let's, let's, let's get a definition for sloth, because in my opinion, of all the seven deadly sins, this one is probably the most misunderstood, and this one I think is the most hard to define. Because I bet you a lot of people came in here and when they heard sloth, you're thinking, <laughs> I got the night off here, I'm good. I know what sloth is, I know what that is, that, that, that's that 30-year-old that's still in, the, still in the mom's basement, you know, playing games all day, doesn't have a job, you know, just gorges himself on potato chips and the couch potato, that's, that's the sloth, right? And whew, I'm in the clear there because, Kyle, huh, I am busy, busy, busy. I mean, I got sports, I got homework, I have a, you know, I'm, I got a great GP, I mean, I am busy, 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 I'm good here. Well... Workaholics also are guilty of sloth. So, uh, so laziness is, is not the right definition for sloth. Sloth is not being lazy. You ready for this? Sloth is a love that is lazy. Not just being lazy. It's a, it's a love that's lazy. You know, when we come, when it comes to defining love, I think, I think we all have pretty poor definitions because our culture is like, you know, love is just that bubbly feeling you get when you meet that guy or that girl and, and it's just all, you know, fire rockets go off in our, and, and it's really, like, just magical and glorious. And that's not love. <laughs> you know, some of you in here are like, oh, I, I just love him. No, you don't. I do. I just, I love this guy so much. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not love. 
Love is a self-sacrificial action. It's not a feeling, y'all. It's a self-sacrificial action. It's, it's dying to myself. If you want an example of love, a definition of love, the standard of love, John gives it to us in 1 John. It's supposed to be 1 John 3, verse 16. It says this, this is how we know what love is. You want a definition? You want an example? You want to know what it looks like? What it is? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let me tell you, you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wasn't really feeling the cross. That wasn't an emotional experience. But he went to the cross, and that is a picture of love, dying to self, a self-sacrificial action for the good of another. That's true love. And sloth is a lazy love. Sloth, as Rebecca de Young says, and this is, might be a better definition, Sloth is a resistance to the demand of love. A resistance to the demand of love. To really get a better, I guess, definition of, of sloth, let's, let's talk, I'll give you an illustration from the actual animal. The, the animal sloth. Everybody knows there's such an animal called a sloth, right? You've seen it at the zoo. It's a really fascinating little creature. Um, and it's got a lot of weird stuff about it. Like you can read up on it, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's kind of interesting. But one of the things about the sloth that I found the most interesting, the most fascinating, and it helps us um, understand this this sin of sloth. Um, when a when a young sloth, a little small baby sloth, um, for the first about three to eight months of its life, it latches on to the back of its mother as the mother's hanging from a branch in a tree. And so the little baby sloth for the first three to eight months of its life will cling to its mother. Every now and then, he falls. Falls off the back, right onto the ground. And that sounds pretty traumatic, but, but this, that, that usually doesn't, as high up in the tree as it is, that usually doesn't kill it because sloths, they're, they're pretty sturdy creatures. You want to know why that little young sloth, though, will most likely die? Not because of the fall, but because the mother will not go retrieve it. The mother still sits and clings to that branch while the sloth falls, the little baby sloth falls, and the mother does not leave that branch. She clings to that branch. It almost like, that almost like defies like the whole way the animal kingdom set up, right? Guys, we commit the sin of sloth when we refuse to give up our own self-interest to pursue anything outside of ourselves. Sloth is me clinging to that, clinging to my schedule, clinging to my comfort, clinging to my desires like that branch. I come, become so invested in my life, my schedule, my comfort, that I become indifferent to everything else around me. Everything else around me is nothing more than an inconvenience to what I got going on in my life. Clinging to that branch. Um, we said this last week, the opposite of love is not hate. The, I mean, sorry, is not anger. The opposite of love is indifference. Sloth is just apathy towards others, towards God, towards things of God. Sloth sees the other's needs, not... The sin of sloth, when I see somebody else is in need, I see that as more of not an opportunity to serve, but an inconvenience and an interruption in my life. And um, there's two types of sloths out there. 
You got first the, the sluggard or the sleepwalker. And this is the person who's just trying to get through the day. Just trying to get through the day. Doesn't really like to work. Just, just trying to get through the day. Um, his biggest desire, he does have one desire, his comfort. He just is living for his own comfort. Everything. That's his one desire. It's just, just the next comfort. Uh, uh, an author says this. He, def- de- he desperately attempts to control his life in order to, pre- to preserve comforts, dreading being interrupted by the needs of others. He cannot respond to God's redirection. Life has become self-centered. I mean, how many of us in here today, just, just how many of us just are trying to get through the day just to get to that next comfort? Oh, if I just can make it through to get to that, my, back to my Xbox. If I just can make it through this day just to get back to my television show. And we just be kind of sleepwalk through life just looking for our next comforts, our next time to relax. Just doing enough just to get by, but shut down to everything around us. Just living for the next weekend, the next comfort, the next vacation. And here's what's happening. You walk in here tonight, guys, listen to me. And your souls are Novocaine numb. The, the, the eyes of your soul have been glazed over as you have gorged yourself on entertainment after entertainment after entertainment. And your souls are numb to everything else around you. You don't respond to God's redirection. You know, have you ever wondered what God's asking me to do today? No, of course not. I'm living for the next comfort. But not only is the the sleepwalker slash um, sluggard, uh, a, 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 that's one area of sloth. The other one's the workaholic. And that might sound crazy to you, but let me explain why. The workaholic works all the time to the neglect of everything else around him. He works, and work has become a means to isolate himself, to keep himself away from other people's problems. Don't talk to me about your problems. I'm busy. Stay away. I just want to work. Work becomes a means for self-interest. That's all work is. It's just, it's just my, selfish, my selfish interest and my love becomes lazy. I have a friend right now who's working over 100-hour work weeks consistently. Boy, he's shooting up the corporate ladder. Congratulations. And he's miserable. He's not miserable because he's working so hard and so long. He's miserable because he's lost all capability to love anything outside of himself. Just stuck in his office, stuck in his work, but, but man, to love somebody else, to, to love another, like, you know, he's trying to date a girl. Doesn't have enough time to love her well. Can't love anything else outside of himself. And so work makes my love lazy. It makes my soul grow numb. I lose all interest around people around me. Everybody else is just an inconvenience to my schedule and my goals. Let's talk about the danger of sloth because it's so dangerous. I think this is one of the big reasons why this is a seven deadly sin is because, guys, it keeps us away from God. Sloth, listen to me. It doesn't cause me to reject God. Don't miss this. It causes me to neglect God. God. 
So many people will wonder. I've talked to several people during my time of youth ministry. I ask them about, hey, you know, th- ask them about God and things like that. And, and hey, what do you think about God? Well, have you ever considered spiritual things? And it's like, yeah, but um, I mean, who really cares? You know, like, you know, agnostic folks like, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Really? One of the most important things we got to figure out is this whole thing with God and spirituality. Yet, yet because life is just one comfort after another, it's just so caught up in my comfort, my interest, I neglect the living God. But agnostics are not just the only one guilty of it. So are we. So are we. We, we say we believe and we say these things, but we live like we don't. I mean, how many of us are neglecting God day in and day out because you say you're busy? Or and it's not busy, it's just I got some entertainment that I want to take in. Sloth causes me to neglect God, not reject Him. I'm not saying no, there is no God, or no, I don't want to. It's just I'm neglecting Him altogether. I don't, and even some of y'all come in here tonight. You're not ready, you don't want to sing, you don't want to listen right now. You don't want to engage with God because your souls have been numbed by entertainment, by work, by schedule. That you don't even consider things of God. What a horrifying place to be as our souls are numb. Our love is lazy. Cannot be redirected in life. Cannot love anybody else outside of myself because it's my schedule, my interests, my comforts. Sloth greatly, greatly stunts our growth. And when we neglect God, boy, are we sitting ducks. Some of you are in such messes because you've neglected your soul for years because you have, you're, you're, you're a sloth. Eating up entertainment, loving your schedule, but love is so lazy. Affections are non-existent. Soul is just Novocaine numb. Yeah. Not only does sloth affect my relationship with God, but let me just tell you this for down the road, y'all. Like sloth, it can really destroy a marriage. You know that what I'm called to do with Jenna, right? This is my, my God-given role. My responsibility is to love Jenna the way Christ loved the church. Oh, she didn't marry well. She just didn't because that ain't happening well. But guys, what that means when I come home, it's not like, oh, I have this bubbly feeling of like, oh, it's Jenna. And I do love seeing Jenna when I come home. But when I come home, I got to make this decision of like, okay, I got to shut off the TV. I got to engage her. I got to listen to her. I got to, I got to, I got, that's what loving looks like in a marriage. And let me tell you, we think lust is the issue when it went, went for marriage to fall apart. Sloth is just a bit as big of a threat, if not bigger in our marriage as lust is. Imagine neglecting your wife, gentlemen, for years. Yeah, your marriage is going to fall apart as your love becomes lazy, as you're soaking in television or soaking in your job and you can't get away. Yeah, marriages fall apart as you neglect because love has gone lazy as I am so consumed by my comforts, my schedule, and my work. So yeah, it's a big deal. It affects the relationship, schoolwork, Stunts our growth. So we need to talk about how do we actually defeat sloth. In our text, we have a little parable. 
of a master who's going away from a, for a long time. And, um, you know, while, while the master's away, the servants can, can fall into this whole sloth thing of, oh, he's gone, you know, I, you know, I get to do my thing, do my schedule. Not ever remembering he's going to return, just kind of can just goof around. You know, the master's not coming back for a long time. But we get this command in verse 40 for all of us. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not, you do not expect. Guys, the key to defeating sloth, you ready for this? It's meditating on eternity. Um, Jonathan Edwards, everybody familiar with Jonathan Edwards, a great American theologian. He, he gives this illustration one time. He goes, imagine you're in the woods and there's a grizzly bear. <laughs> Starts running after you. you. You try to run away. Catches you, knocks you over, and then raises up with all of its mass, all of its height, all the fur and the claws and the teeth, and it raises up over you. Imagine for a moment the fear, the feeling you would have as you would look up on the ground helpless as a grizzly bear is just raised up over you. It's pretty terrifying. Now imagine how much greater the terror is to stand before the living God if you come before Him unprepared. I mean, you realize everybody in this room, myself included, we're all heading towards that moment where we're going to stand before the living God. And we act like it's never going to happen. You want to kill sloth? I think we should prepare ourselves for that moment. The most important moment. Um, Pascal also gives another illustration. He, he says, we all know that death is coming. Everybody here, whether you realize it or not, but death is coming. And he says, we're like, we're like cars heading towards a cliff. And instead of really focusing and preparing for the moment where we're heading towards that cliff and trying to make the most out of the way to the cliff, instead we're throwing up billboards on the way. Billboards, and we're like, oh, look at that sign. Oh, isn't that cool? And we're heading towards a cliff. Instead of anticipating, preparing for that moment, no, we're just enjoying the, oh, look at that. Oh, isn't that interesting? Guys, when we remember eternity, we find that sloth begins to die within us. But not only are we supposed to think of eternity, guys, we've got to consider, as always, the cross. When I see the cross and meditate on the cross, the indifference has to melt away. When you meditate on our Savior, God of God, King of kings, the one who holds all things together, hanging on a God-forsaken cross, a bloody mess, when you see that, when you really see that, the cross on which the Prince of Glory is, is dying, is gasping for his last breath, when you really see that, you cannot walk away and go, nah, 
Xbox sounds good today. Mmm. Man, I really look forward to spending 18 hours on YouTube tonight. See, that, that when we meditate and think on eternity and the cross, all of a sudden, our love doesn't grow, go so lazy. And all of a sudden, we see moments around us and we see opportunities to serve. I'm able to love you more. I'm able to love God more. But it all starts at the foot of the cross. And so I ask you, maybe you came in here and you, you, you really haven't considered. You've neglected God for years. You haven't considered anything about God or anything spiritual because it's like, ah, life is fun right now. Just, let's just talk for a moment. I'm asking you to maybe just for a moment consider, consider what this word, what this, this, this book tells us happened. I don't need that, so we're good. <laughs> Just consider what's in here. Consider what, what Jesus has done for us. Consider where we're headed, just for a moment. And for the rest of us who are living like we're, we're, there is no God. Oh, we say there is. We believe there is. We say we believe there is, but we're not living as such. Neglecting our souls for years. I'm asking you, what, what, what's your response? Because again, we either kill sin or get killed by sin. So, so what... what what needs to happen here? I, I would suggest, first off, of course, repentance, going before God, and then meditating on the cross. And then, yes, even starting tomorrow morning. You know what? Time with God, it might not seem that flashy and that great, but I think your soul needs it. I know mine does. So you take a moment, and you, 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 you pray, you think, you meditate on what your response should be. Um, don't just walk out of here quickly. Um, consider these things. You have a moment. I'm, I'll close this in prayer here in a few moments, and, uh, and, then, and then I'll allow you to go. Father, I confess that I'm a sloth, that my love is lazy, that my soul can grow numb to, 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 to godly things, to others. Um, Father, that I, that I do get consumed with my entertainment, my schedule, my comforts, to the fact that I don't even see anything else around me. Others, people, Other people's needs are just inconveniences in my life. And I don't love the way I'm supposed to love. I don't love you the way I'm supposed to love you. I don't love others the way I'm supposed to love them. And, and I need a Savior. 
I need someone who came and, and did it right, did it perfectly, who loved you and loved others perfectly. I need that. I need that righteousness. And so, Father, again, we just remind ourselves that our only hope is in Jesus, is found in, at the foot of the cross. There our sins are forgiven, and there we find the ability to, to fight and, and, and rid ourselves from, from sinful habits and patterns. So we're asking you, Father, that you would, through your Spirit's power, for your glory's sake, release us from the clutch of sloth. As our souls have in this room have been numb to you because of, of this sin, we have neglected our souls, and we are in some messes in here because of it. I'm asking that you would just release the clutch of, of uh, the clutch of sloth on us, and that you would help us to give you would give us a fervor and excitement and a fire to live for you. Father, we want to make the most of these lives, and we, we forget that death is a reality. Standing before you is a reality. We forget these things. Satan would have us forget these things. Would you help him to ring true day in and day out? Would you help us to take advantage of our days that you have given us? These are yours. Our lives are yours. The breath we have in our lungs is yours. Every day we have comes from you. Would you give us the ability to live them well for your glory's sake? We love you and we recognize we don't love you like we should. So we thank you for Jesus. We ask for all of it in his name. Amen.